and welcome back to the DesdorProds.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. Remember, today we have Birdie. I am the spirit of the goat. <laughs> Is that a Gotham callback? What the fuck? My, my, my mental state will make more sense. Maybe. Later. <laughs> Maybe. The only way that'll make more sense is if you've been watching Gotham. No, no, it wouldn't. It, it, it might, depending on how much... like Gotham goes fucking places, man. I know. It's finally almost over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that fucking goddamn Bruno Heller nightmare factory. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, new new anime season. Yes, the anime twenty anime winter twenty nineteen season has begun. We got all kinds of fucking new shows, and based on the reviews I've gotten from Cora and the one I watched, there seems to be a good show. Maybe I I haven't watched the Shonen thing that came out this season, which is apparently like what if Roald Dahl made an anime. I, isn't that just the BFG? Uh, wrong, wrong, wrong. Roll doll story. <laughs> yeah, I don't know enough about roll doll to really make jokes about it. Anyway, but the one thing from the new NA season I do have things to talk about because it's the one review I did and the one review I'll probably be doing for the rest of the year. Fucking savor it. Uh, Rising of the Shield Hero. Eh. Just so. Eh. Yeah. Uh, small bit of backstory. Uh, Dead Man and I have gone through a series of uh, soul-crushing disappointments with anime adaptations of our favorite manga. Yeah. The last couple of years. Uh, most most specifically, most recently, uh, Goblin Slayer was <laughs> embarrassingly, depressingly awful. Good God! <laughs> it was shocking. And what made it even fucking worse was the people sleeping on my fucking couches. I head out there, and they have <coughs> Crunchyroll, and so I actually had to go out there and watch them watch fucking Goblin Slayer. Yeah. And I've had friends who had no experience with the manga watch the game and say, you know, this isn't bad. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <coughs> the reason I brought up this story was just to point out that so Dead Man is a fan of a certain manga called Rise of the Shield Hero, as yep. he has expressed previously. So when the news was coming out that in winter of 2019, the, uh, his beloved manga would finally be adapted into an anime, uh, his, what passes for what's left of his butt cheeks collectively clenched. Yep, yeah, it was, it was more a phantom clench. There's not much there anymore. Years of sitting on my ass and also being a skeleton. Kind of removed that. But yeah, I... Mm. So it just left you with nothing? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I have... <coughs> I have unfortunately fallen down the rabbit hole of being that guy. 
of just of just the second anything comes out, my usual first reaction is, well, the book's better. Yeah. And I kind of hate that about myself. And like going into reviewing this, I wanted to sit down and go like, okay, I'm going to just fucking try my best to push the fucking comic out of my mind. I'm just going to be focusing on the show. This is a review of the show. Focus on the show. But my biggest problems with it were stuff that was different from the manga. And it's this stupid catch-22 that I always find myself in of I want to review just the thing I'm talking about. But it has source material I'm familiar with, and that goes into my criticisms of it. Yeah, and you're stuck with the position of there is a there is a rare chance it's happened to me occasionally where I can divorce myself enough from like the source material to enjoy the adaptation as is. It doesn't happen that often anymore because most of the time these days, when an adaptation is made, it's close to what's in the manga but not close enough yeah and to some extent that's unavoidable because some some manga are kind of difficult to adapt that way yeah and then there's of course just the stuff that you don't you can't adapt the way they want to because it's stupid and they try to cut too much together like here's a thought for you can you imagine how actually i can kind of see it but can you imagine how annoying it would be if they tried to adapt dungeon seeker Oh, God. Given what they cut out of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hero, that wouldn't be a show. It would be a title sequence and then the credits. Yeah, maybe people from Magical Girl Sight could get away with it. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, so I guess we'll just get get, into this. For those who don't know, Rise of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hero, East Sky Story. Follows that standard thing, except when the guy gets ported over, the incredible power he's given is the power of an awesome shield. But then he was also teleported over with three other dudes who all got the power of dope-ass weapons. And every single one of them seems to be so... Every one of them seems to play video games in such a way that they never understand the ability... They never understand the fucking, like, benefit of a tank. Yeah, like, I think they they all. all seem to be they all seem to be those people who play team RPGs and then solo it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like every single one of them is like every single one of them is a Hanzo main. Just the fucking worst kind of people. But yeah, and so once I get over there, um everyone starts shitting on the shield hero just fucking immediately. And then he gets like accused of fucking raping, raping the lady and gets disgraced and thrown into the world. And so he has to try to become the hero of the land and save this fucking world from the oncoming waves of destruction, which are just weird fucking cracks in the sky that monsters poop out of. Yeah, no matter how much the actual heroes don't give a shit what he does. Yeah. As long as, long as he's there to be their butt monkey when they want him to be their butt monkey. Yeah, it is... Yeah, some of that stuff is just, uh Yeah, you see, I I had heard about this and about um, the outrage over the situation that happened at the beginning where a, the writer wrote a, the worst thing he could think of to make a guy hate the world is to write a situation where a woman leads a man on and then leads him to suggest, it leads everyone else to suggest that he raped her. 
just as a sign that uh, like all women are whores and manipulative bitches and men can't trust them or anyone else in humanity. And yeah, I kind of see that, but at the same time, I'm like, I just don't care. Like, that, that, that was my major... I, so I attempted to read and watch this so I could discuss it with Dead Man, but I had no connection to it at all. I read, like, five chapters, got to the point where, uh, what's, what's her name, Raftalia? Yeah. Uh, where she had grown up and could start fully waifuing to <laughs> Nafumi, but, uh... Yeah, I, I just had, I had, I didn't connect with it at all. Yeah, I, I don't know what it says about me, but I didn't really see that as a problem. Cause, cause like, like in the, in the manga, it's something I mentioned in the review, but in the manga, kind of from the jump, everything was wrong with the situation. Like, like you probably saw it, but like even even like the yeah. beginnings of both the stories are wildly different and kind of show a difference in the tone of the story going forward. Yeah, well, I think it's weird to say it considering we are a year out from the release of quote unquote one of the worst one of the animes we consider the worst in recent memory, and what everyone else says is one of the best anime of the decade, Devilman Crybaby, and yet. <sighs> This anime apparently doesn't want to commit to the same level of fuck everyone human uh, misanthropy that that series committed to. I know, but like that, that's However, the thing. Like, like yeah, the series starts out with misanthropy, but the actual arc of the story is now Fumi going from a fucking misanthropic piece of shit to an actual person. Like, like, like yeah, those first few chapters are kind of rough for that stuff. Like the manga, like the anime, uh, the first episode uh, covers the first three chapters of the of the manga. Okay. And yeah, the beginning stuff is like he shows up and the king is immediately like, "Oh, fuck you!" And there's like that, and there's this air of just everyone distrusts and hates him immediately. And then more and more and more to the point of the point of like, "Hey, he raped me!" And then everyone's like, "Yeah, we believe her." Like in like in the anime, they she plants evidence of like, hey, yeah, you fucking raped me. Look, he stole my underwear. To the kind of like hammer home this point, and everyone's like, yeah, okay, this we, now that there's evidence that this makes sense. Before it was before it was just is her word. Okay, yeah, fuck him. Which kind of goes to more about the state of the country and not yo fuck this bitch. And the reason I never really had a problem with like that aspect of it was. Like a, it's, it wasn't really all women. It was just her, and they set up that like this is modus operandi for her. She is a, she, not all women, just her is a incredibly manipulative bitch. And actually, like when, when after I finished writing up that review, I went back, I went out and checked a bunch of other people's reviews, and one of them was like. Yeah, we're not going to review this thing. Fuck this thing. We don't feel it deserves to have any credit given to it because the first episode features a woman who fakes a rape, who like says the guy raped her. So here is a bunch of organizations that you can donate money to that actually support real rape victims. Yeah, there's a certain degree of uh, current issue triggering. Yeah, and I cannot wait to see how these people react to fucking Raftalia because she is a way bigger problem. Yeah. Just in kind of everything, just 
Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Just again, I, I, I wish I normal this part of the reason I tried to read it and watch it is so that I wouldn't just be the guy who just goes, yeah, over and over again. Yeah, like trying to, trying to do been. a me. But I just. Yeah, the series isn't for everyone. It's I don't have much to say about it. It doesn't connect with me. I, I kind of like the main character as like a going to get his act together and be the proper hero shithead kind of. And his his mindset compared to everyone else seems to be better. But yeah, because at, at the same at the same time, I'm just kind of I don't connect with this at all. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned like kind of going into this uh, discussion with the other heroes because, like I said, there are four heroes: shield, spear, uh, sword, and bow, and. The other heroes are meant to be kind of riffs or parodies on the standard Isekai protagonist. Yeah. Because uh, the spear hero is the harem guy. Like his whole thing yeah, is his, his party is entirely women. He spends all of his time hitting on women or partying with the women that he's hitting on. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they don't really get into this in the first episode, but just later. Um, the sword guy is Kirito. Yeah. Just straight Basically. up. Yeah. Like he solos everything, he wears all black. And one of the major problems from the early episode, from the early chapters that kind of becomes a big thing later on is he goes out to a village to kill a dragon, kills it, doesn't finish it off, so that it then causes a plague within the village and becomes a zombie dragon. And that's kind of the whole thing. Like the heroes in the the heroes in fucking uh the manga are they're bad but not because they're sh- not because they're like dick bags like they're an anime they are bad because they are idiots like they show up and start talking about this world like a game and treat and and acting in it like a game so that is where all the problems come from cuz because they treat it all as a game they don't take anything seriously and if they aren't having and if they if they think they think if they aren't having like a fun time or doing what they think they should be doing in this game then they just start bitching and complaining. Yeah, that sounds pleasant. We don't spend too much time with them, and most of the time we just spent with them, it is Naofumi kicking the shit out of them. In one way or another. Meanwhile, in this, the first thing we see of these heroes is fuck you, pay me. Fuck you, give me money. Yeah. Yeah, just they're instantly summoned as like, please help us save save our lands from these waves of destruction. And Nafumi's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then it's immediately cut off by by Ren, the sword hero, straight up threatening the people who summoned them, saying, "Fuck you, take me to your king. I want to get I want to get fucking paid." Ugh. Yeah. So they so they both like. Pulled uh, pulled away from the darker tone of the story that drew you to the manga, but at the same time made the. Whereas you said in uh in the manga the three other heroes were written as as idiots and assholes in this, they're like intentionally in this. There's just kind of generic written as idiots and assholes. Yeah, like like in like in the. 
in the manga, they are, they want to be heroes. Like, that's one of the reasons they kind of avoid the shield hero in the first place, is that in their stories, people who wield, sh people who wield shields aren't heroes. They're fucking backup characters. So it's like, hey, I got this fucking sword. I'm going to go be the fucking lone swordsman wandering the land, solving problems. And then Spear Guy is like, yeah, I'm going to fucking get a big harem because of all my heroic deeds. And then the fucking bow guy is, I'm going to like fucking seed this story about this about this unknown vigilante coming throughout the land and solving problems and going into the wind before anyone can thank him. And because of that, he never develops the skills or gets any notoriety for what he does. Meanwhile, again, in this, it is, it is, if you do not pay me, I will leave your world to die. And then from there, like, and then from there, in the story, it develops into their egos and stuff, and other aspects of their personality that is actually that actually led to them into this world. And none of that seems to be in here. Like, like one of the big fucking points is that Nafumi's anger towards the world literally almost gets him killed because he develops a power that near kills him based on his wrath. But in this, he has no wrath. The closest thing to be, the closest thing as to wrath is, well, here's your money, take it. Uh. And yeah, I like in both stories. Nafumi, Nafumi is a bit whiny. He's a bit of a whiny bitch. Of just everyone hates me and the world sucks. So nah, fuck it. Yeah, but I find po po possibly a self insert for the author. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, dude. <laughs> but I find aggressive whining way less annoying than passive aggressive whining. I'm not sure I would want to be able to pick one or the other, but okay. Like aggressive whining, it is aggressive whining. You at least are moving towards something. You have that driving force of fuck all of fuck everyone, but me. And that can still push you towards being a better person. But with passive aggression, you have nothing driving you forward. So you're just sitting there just going, nah, 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 just kicking the back of a seat for fucking 12 hours on a bus. And yeah, the, with the anime, there is enough there that I'm still recognizing it as, okay, this is a story. This is, I can see, I can kind of see where they're going with, in terms of, in terms of like this, this anime staying on the course of the manga, but they changed, they changed like a couple of small core things about what the story is that they just kind of make everything else just feel weird and kind of off-putting. But then they pair that with production that is basically fine. Like the show doesn't look terrible, sound or sound terrible. Uh characters characters look fine, backgrounds look fine. Uh this is a series of yeah, the people who made this, I uh, can't remember their studio name. I think it's like um Kinema Citrus or something. That sounds right, I think. Yeah, they did a Made in Abyss and another series that I think was pretty all right. Let me just double check that. I mentioned it in the thing. Yeah, yeah, Made in Abyss and Barakamon. Oh yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, and both of those shows were fine. Like, like, like Made in Abyss looked fucking phenomenal. Yeah, except the lolly porn shit that was. Yeah, but that that's source material stuff. I think. Ugh. 
But anyway, yeah. So, like, Main Abyss looked fine, and Barakamon had less actual production value, but it had a lot of personality and energy behind all, all it was doing. Like, I can remember fucking straight-up scenes and stuff from Barakamon. I can remember... I can remember fucking various fucking gorgeous Vistas shots from Maiden Abyss. In this, I, in this, anytime I try to think of anything, I like think of landscape. All right. And then it just slowly fades into re-zero because like basically the same architecture. I try to think of any specific scenes and it just goes straight to the manga. There's just nothing here to really latch on to. If you know what, if you know where it comes from. And even if you do know where it comes from, if it's not your story, you don't have anything to latch on to anyway. This is kind of a series for no one, except people who would like Shield Hero, who but who never read the manga. I guess those people exist. Yeah, but like, do you want to spend? There's not be this much of a push behind a series for like one third of a Venn diagram. <sighs> Dead man. If anything, the least last couple of years have pointed out that anime get made regardless of absolutely no one wanting to have them made. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's just filling time. Like, that's the weird thing we have coming at this from the Western side of things, is that a lot of this is aired on broadcast television, and we don't think about it from the perspective of, well, we need to fill airtime. Yeah. Because the majority of people over here, it is either streaming services or just stealing. Yeah. So everything they so they feel like everything needs to be like all right yeah so this is not a fill airtime thing this is a we want to tell this story so we are going to build this thing that will be then delivered to you the people in these chunks because that's how fucking whatever works I it is a weird fucking it's a weird fucking culture over here with this yes hmm. So anything else to say about your beloved shield hero? Yeah, read the manga. That's that's what all that's that's pretty much what unless unless it is a fucking this is actually something I realized relatively recently. Anything that I am familiar with from the manga, I think the manga is better than the anime, unless it's a sports series. Cause so far the only two anime series that I watch that I think this is better than the manga is Haikyuu and fucking Yomushi Pedal. Like I tried sitting down and reading some of the Yomushi Pedal manga and I'm just like, what no, this this is not good. I want to see my weird bicycling chipmunk on in fucking motion with his weird terrible CG body. That's the weirdest use of CG to me. Just all right. So yeah, their head's going to be traditionally animated, but the body is CG. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you've seen. I'm presuming some other stuff that isn't this from the new season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So the other thing I have the least to say out of the way first. Uh, so, Cora wanted me to watch Dororo. I... It's fine. <laughs> yeah, this, like, is, this it, is fucking, like, big shit so far. Like, I mean, this this one is actually 
I can see myself watching more of this because uh, one, this is from Studio Mappa, so it actually looks pretty good. And but then the it's it's Studio Mappa attempting to adapt a a Samu Tezuka series. So, yeah, right. A little bit more interesting in that regard, seeing Tezuka's weird like flat beginnings of anime designs updated for modern times and presumably aspects of the story taken in places that they didn't go for. Okay, so the plot of this is fairly simple. A lord in medieval Japan uh, goes goes to a temple full of demons, kills the monk guarding them, and then says, hey, you, you let me rule, you let me prosper, I'll give you whatever you want. And he has no idea whether or not they agree or not until the day his firstborn child is uh, comes to this comes into this world with no eyes, arms, legs, teeth, or skin. Jesus, <laughs> was that because like a, was that like a Tezuka thing? Because I'm just trying to picture Tezuka's art style drawing that. That, that was in Tezuka's thing. Yeah. Good God. So the deal that apparently had been hatched was that each of the demons would take a piece of the kid so that they could walk the earth and sow havoc. And the the de- the Lord would have what he wants. Like fame, power, and prosperity. Uh when this is when he this is when he knows this to be the truth. The the child survives this miraculously, but the but the Lord tells his wife to get rid of the baby. Uh so the baby is put in a in a um, in a boat Moses style and just tossed down the river, but the person who she who the mom sent to do that was is immediately eaten by demons. Naturally, yeah. We then cut awkwardly a few like ten fifteen years later to uh, a weird puppet looking person walking around. And I say puppet because literally it, their their body is made out of puppet parts. Ah. And it's the kid, whose name is Yakimaru, who has been going around in this puppet body uh, who where he pops off his arms to use as swords to kill demons. And whenever he kills one of the demons, he gets a piece of his flesh back. But unfortunately, because uh, the Lord tied his prosperity to these demons walking the earth, if all of the demons go back to hell, he loses everything. So now uh, the dad is going to send his other son and his Lord, his children, his many vassals and samurai to kill his own son to save his own prosperity. This dude's a piece of shit. Yep. Oh, this seems like a bit of a darker edge than I'm used to with Tezuka series. Yeah, well, because this is a much more short-lived Tezuka series. I mean, what's weird is that this became an anime in 1969, <laughs> less less than a decade after Tezuka wrote the original manga. And... Okay, so having done a little research, the big problem with this series is that Tezuka never finished it. Uh-huh. The ending was rather abrupt, and it didn't really resolve anything. So, arguably, this series could do something that Tezuka couldn't and provide a proper ending to this series. Granted, given that the story that's set up, this could only really end one or two ways. So, it's not going to be that hard to write an ending for it. Yeah. 
Or they yeah, just don't uh, do like an updated but faithful to the manga ending. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, Cora sold me on this being a lot weirder than I honestly thought it was. I guess he just... He said, what, you don't think like a quadriplegic with puppet arms with swords in them killing demons is weird? I'm like, no. Yeah, not really. I don't know what it is. It's not... I guess it's just maybe he thought it was so aesthetically weird that he thought I would find it weird. I was just like, it's, yeah, it's cool looking, but it's not weird. Not really. Yeah, like there's, like there are enough. We've seen enough. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to talk about it much weirder in a second. All righty then. So yeah, uh, I can see giving this a recommendation. Uh, the problem is for legal streaming, it's on Amazon Prime, Ugh. which not only is not available to people outside of the United States, apparently, but also I hate Amazon Prime's video watcher. It's just so awkward and stupid, and the this app keeps crashing, and it, they use like small white block text. For their subtitles, which is really hard to read, particularly on moving in moving action scenes. Yeah. So yeah, it's really stupid. But yeah. I can kind of recommend you at least look at Dororo. It's kind of just for the the novelty of watching an adaptation of what was an originally an R-rated Tezka joint. That still sounds so fucking... There's a dissonance whenever I hear that. Yeah. Because just like, to me, a fucking R-rated Tezuka joint is Pluto. Yeah. Like is the Tezuka joint. Making an, R-rated, making an R-rated adaptation of a Tezuka thing. Not Tezuka himself making an R-rated thing. Yeah. Because even like going... Even like what little research I did about it too. Like it is... It's. I saw that fucking baby. While we're talking, I saw yeah. that fucking baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It. It was a baby with no eyes, no teeth, and no limbs. That looked that looked like a fucking weird plush doll. Yeah, uh, a, a plush doll that maybe Pinhead would play with. No, that, that looks like baby Pinhead before I got the pins. Yeah, <laughs> or, or or like one of the other pages that I saw of just or it's like Kakimaru bends over to bow at fucking Dororo or Dororo, yeah Dororo, that there yeah. it is. Oh yeah, Dor- yeah I forget. Yeah, Dororo is the little. This is the thing that's probably going to annoy me going forward because this is a Tesca joint meant for children. Dororo, is, the titular character, is a child thief who hangs out with Kakimaru. Yeah, and so the fucking thing I saw. <laughs> Was Hyakimaru bending over and his fucking eyes falling out. While this Tezka ass looking motherfucker. And standing right next to him, I'm just like, this, this doesn't. What is this? Yep. It's like the fucking. It would be it would be like fucking One Piece crossing over with Junji Ito. Don't give him ideas. Which hate you hear, are you referring to? Junji Ito. Did you hear recently a whole bunch of other horror artists decided to make their own versions of Junji Ito stories? I had not. 
That's going to be weird. Yeah, I, I, I need to read that. <laughs> that is going to be interesting. There's a fucking... This reminded me, there's a fucking... There's this book out there. It's called Something Radio. And it's just about... It's just like these various horror shorts, essentially. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned this. The one where uh, it's a bunch of horror anthology shorts somehow tied to radio stuff. No, not even tied to radio stuff. Like, like maybe one of them has a radio to do with it, but the more prescient thing that's about them is hair. Ah, so... But different hair stories. Like, is it like, a Jinji Ito thing? Because he was obsessed with hair. No, this isn't a Jinji Ito thing. The art style is incredibly different. Like, for one thing, people look... For one thing, you could have two people in frame and have them look like different people. Okay. Just that That's a thing that bugs me about Jinji Ito's artwork, is that every face looks the fucking same. Sure. But, yeah, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be like one story is like, He's like, this dude, yeah, he goes to bed and then he can't sleep because he thinks that if he because op- he thinks that his wife is staring at him, if he opens his eyes, he'll die. And then he fucking wakes up the next day and everything's fine. Or and then the next story is this kid puts this weird fucking dildo shaped god thing and then the stairs next to a fucking high school, and then all of a sudden hair begins growing around it. And there's a lady sleeping on the train, and then all of a sudden a reflection doesn't have eyes, teeth, or hair, and just turns at her smiling and screaming. And then she wakes up and is like, oh, that was weird, goes back to sleep. It's not really stories. It's just kind of, hey, here's a situation that's kind of creepy. Moving on. Well, speaking of which, um, a situation that was probably not intended to be horrifying, because since it was a Christmas story, but was kind of horrifying, Swamp Thing in Space. (laughs) 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 Fucking what? I'll, I'll go into that on the next show, but... Just, just to whet your appetite. <laughs> Why is he in space? I'll tell you. There aren't plants up there. <laughs> I, I seem to have derailed the discussion. <laughs> It's one of the few environments where a fucking like god <laughs> avatar being of all plant life in existence is out fucking classed by Buddy fucking Baker. <laughs> and I love me some fucking Animal Man, but that dude is a situational hero. <laughs> Same kind of thing with Vixen, man. Vixen, she she's great, but like fucking don't send her in space. So anyway, uh, I I would recommend Dororo, Dororo for at least a brief watch, just to see what you think. Every time you say it, I think you're gonna say do da da da. Yeah, and I think that's probably I'm trying to stop myself from saying it too. It's right up there with Joe 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 Joe. Speaking of which, uh, I'm trying to navigate Caveman through JoJo right now. Oh, have and, fun. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're currently trying to power through the not bad, but incredibly boring first arc. Yeah, just once you get into fucking uh, battle tendencies, that gets a lot better. 
Yeah, it's just fucking Jonathan Joestar is so... I want to punch him in the face, but it'll just make him stronger. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to think back and like I... I think this 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 lead this kind of like feeds into the criticism, but like I can't think of a single thing about Jonathan Joestar that isn't related to a different character. Yeah, like I can't no, think of a it, single thing about his personality or any of his accomplishments without thinking of fucking Zapelli or, St- or Speedwagon. Yeah, that's a legit problem with the character. Yeah, but it's. He's still not my he's still not my least favorite JoJo so far. Okay, who's yours? Jotaro. Oh, okay, fair enough. He's hateful and boring. Yeah. And stupidly popular for some reason. It's cuz that's it's probably cuz that's the fucking part where they introduced fucking well a couple things actually. A cuz it's probably the part where they introduced it's the, part, the part where they introduced the coolest fucking thing about JoJo the stands. And yeah. then He's also essentially a worse, worse, worse Kenshiro, but with enough of what made Kenshiro popular that everyone's like, "Woo, yeah!" He's like that Kenshiro, yeah. Star Platinum, woo. Gotta go, fucking finger Dio to death. Yay! But not really, because Dio never fucking dies. Has part five aired yet? Uh, I thought that that was starting to air. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've been see I've been seeing fucking bits of that, like promotional art for that, but I haven't finished part four yet. Okay. Again, I'm. I'm That's only going to get up, really good. I'm only going to end up getting caught up because Caveman wants to get through the series. Which means I have to suffer through Jonathan Joestar again with him. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a, it's not a bad series at all. It's just no, it's it's just, just lulls. It's, yeah, uh, which is unfortunate because the two kind of worst lulls in it are the very beginning and then the longest section. Yeah. Yep. But then sandwiched yep. in there, you got fucking. <laughs> Joseph and then Josuke. Two fucking great dudes. Hmm. Okay. Joseph Joestar is the best. Yeah. So anyway, um, Yvonne et Miyash. <laughs> fucking what? I'm sorry, that didn't come out right. Uh, Did you mean Stono Chino Sadame? No, no, no. Uh, take the blue pill. Wait, no, that's that. No, that would make you cry blue out of your eyes again. Wait, no, that's not it. Uh, see, uh, there is no spoon. No, that's the wrong series. Uh, maybe we're all Boogie Pop. No, that's not it either. Uh, that's too late in the series. Did you fucking uh, watch Boogie Pop? I'm sorry, what? Did my you my brain wa- stopped working. My brain stopped working. What? Why the fuck would you watch the new Boogie Pop? Because, uh... Wait, hold on. 
did that happen before or after? <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh, fucking Christ. Okay, I, I think I, I think I have the timeline of what happened in my head. Uh, I heard it was a thing. I told you it was a thing. We both collectively forgot about it. And then Cora asked me what it was, and I think I tried to explain it to him, and I then curled up in a ball and cried for a few hours. Um, Did you at least get him to check out our commentary tracks for the entire series available now on bestdoorprods.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, and Google Play Music? No, but I'm going to force him to at this point. Yeah, you will. Got to pump them views. Yeah, and then he watched it and said, you know, Bertie, you review this. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> for a second, I thought I gave him too much power as a reviews editor, but then I realized that none of us have any real power except for me. <laughs> and even that power only exists so long as you guys say yes. Oh. This is still better than the one we watched. It's not fucking hard. Yeah. Okay, so... Two big reasons this is better than the series we watched, which you can listen to us go mad about on uh, DeathStoreProds.com now. Uh, One, uh, Madhouse spent money on it this time. Big difference. Yeah. Because I can't look at the original series and say this was a well-funded, well-thought-out, well-animated venture. Yeah, the best thing I could say about it is that they had twice the budget of a season of Digimon. Yeah. And two, and this is the big one, uh, it starts from the beginning. Oh, Christ. It's fucking a revelation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so there was bad things about that previous adaptation that I did not know Dead Man until I started doing Uh-oh. research for this review. Um, so the anime we watched, coincidentally, started airing on January 5th, 2000. Um, same season. That's kind of Wait, funny. that was a series from 2000? Yeah. Fuck, I thought it was from like 1997. Uh, no, it can't be because the, the, the novel started being written in 1998. <clears throat> sure he could have that series seems like the kind of fucking thing that doesn't that doesn't fucking tie itself down to your laws of time and fucking causality man <laughs> yeah particularly since uh, the series has kept going and the most recent novel came out in April of last year it's number 20 <clears throat> oh, fuck. but here's the thing the adaptation we watched, Dead Man, started from book two. It completely skipped the first book. Which it, which is a... And the second book is a canonical sequel to the first book. God. And then... Damn it. And then, two years after the, the anime finished airing in April of 2000, a live-action movie was aired to tie into that anime, which told the story of the first book. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't, what what the, the actual I, I, ass? I enjoy some life. What the hell is he got? 
So you start an already complicated story in Medias Res. I don't say With various references, I'm assuming, to the first story. That's what Finish it up and then release a live action version of the first story. That is what we are dealing with, yes. Are all these did all these motherfuckers have brain damage? Maybe? Uh-uh. Like, were they fucking <laughs> nursed on lead-based paint? What the actual fucking ass, dude? This is the dumbest fucking thing. Uh, oh, uh. Yeah. Just this. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of a fucking, like, analogy for this. I'm not sure there is one, because this this seems too stupid to happen. Even its fucking production is a goddamn clusterfuck. That is some kind of dedication. Yeah, so because of this new series, I can actually explain what Boogie Pop is. Finally. It still doesn't make any sense, but I can explain it. I read some of what it actually was online when we were actually doing it. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of little details that I feel like the previous version just didn't mention. So for the audience, (laughs) Boogie Pop Phantom is a thing. Involving fucking sky beams and fucking electricity vampires who rip bugs out of your tits. Yeah, speaking of which, those are those are characters in the first book that you you don't remember that they don't mention what happened to those characters in the first book. Who are characters to, in the first book? The bug tits. Yeah, the bug tits and the ghost phantoms and the ray of light and the fucking cinnamon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I. Uh... I'm just gonna read a series of sentences to you, Dead Man, to try to convey some stuff. I've been feeling to... fucking loose and weird all day, and this is not helping. <laughs> the way I describe it. So here are some things that happened that might be important. Uh, there's an alien named Echoes who may or may not be here to bring news of humanity's worth or lack thereof back to his alien overlords. There is a pseudo-copy of this alien called Manticore that eats people, assumes their appearance, and then enslaves some of them by giving them the power to secrete drugs from their brains out through their eyelids. Manticore is aided by a student named Sautome who may or may not be suicidal and or evil since he wants to help Manticore take over the world by enslaving and killing people. There's T- Kiri Wanagi, the teenage biker chick daughter of a famous criminologist and detective who is investigating stuff related to Manticore, Echoes, and Boogie Pop. Then there's Boogie Pop himself, a being coded as male explicitly who inhabits a female high school student named Toka. Who apparently... And who, uh, uh, who apparently only appears when monsters need to be destroyed. 
I only know this because Boogie Pop explains this himself to another student named Seiji, who is dating Token and also has apparently formed a lifelong lasting friendship with Boogie Pop over the course of a single episode. Okay, so from what I remember, Manticore is the evil version of Boogie Pop. Yes. Part of it. <laughs> what is that connection? Did 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 the Boogie Pop just like fuck with him one too many times? It's always like you know what, fuck you. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this. Or there's like an actual connection. What is Boogie Pop? Boogie Pop is a being that appears in the minds of people when a monster needs to be destroyed. That explain nothing. I am telling you what the explanation is. <laughs> It fights Manticore in the first story, and at some point in the middle of this first story, the beam of light happens because of Echoes, which merges and also splits Boogie Pop and Manticore into two separate beings. So they are first merged together and then split apart with different aspects of both combined into two separate beings. So Boogie Pop was an entirely separate entity from Manticore. Boogie Pop had nothing to do with Manticore. They just happened to be both in this fucking city at the same time. Well, it, they, they, the argument, I think, is that Boogie Pop appeared because of Manticore, I think, but I don't know. Okay, I... I need, to, I, need, I need to take a second. You can keep going. I'll be right back. I just need to fucking see something. And to be honest, I need a fucking reset. So you continue. I'll be right back. <coughs> uh, 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 okay. So for those who have not listened to the mad ravings that Dead Man and I call a riff to the to the two thousand era Boogie Pop Phantom series, uh, the writer of this series, Co- uh, I'm going to get his name right. Kohei Kadono has one of the most maddening prose styles known to man. Because he apparently made a concerted effort with this series intentionally to throw out all the rules of narrative structure and fiction that exists. Just to add to the confusion. Because... Events are often presented out of order. Uh, there are often five or six different perspectives on any given set of events, and often you don't know that all all of those perspectives on those events are tied to that event because they are often displayed far removed from each other by with snippets from other stories playing out in between them. Uh, surrealism and cold reality are constantly flirted with. You don't know which one to focus on, and thus because of it, it cannot pick a tone, theme, or plot, if there is one. Maybe there's a main character? I don't know. Even saying Boogie Pop is the main character seems like kind of a bad idea because there are huge stretches of the story where Boogie Pop neither appears nor matters to, to the story at all. So reading and or watching this is one of the most fascinatingly frustrating and maddening experiences that I've ever had in anime. Yeah, sounds like and Boogie Pop. I imagine it's... And imagine it's probably worse for Dead Man. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fucking it is a waking nightmare. <laughs> and so just to just to give some more context for the stepping away thing, so I don't know if it'll get picked up in the final mix, but 
as we were talking about this, I all of a sudden started hearing this woo, woo sound every couple seconds. And so I'm like, oh, sounds like dog must be on birdie sound. And there's like, no, wait, that's not a dog. That sounds way too fucking person like. So then I took off one of my headphones and then and the noise stopped happening. So I'm like, I must be like a car alarm going off outside. So I'll just fucking whatever. Put the headphone back on. Then it started happening again. And since we were talking about Boogie Pop, it was one of two things. Either my computer was going weird or like one of three things. It was either my computer going weird, something happening outside, or I was genuinely losing my mind. Yeah, and given the name of uh, the soundtrack titles for a lot of the songs in the Boogie Pop Phantom soundtrack, which apparently is available in the United States if you can find it. Uh, it's stuff like Unstability, Delirious, Get Away, uh, the, the, the composer knew. <laughs> Those were calls for help. <laughs> he, like, had, he had to watch the same fucking series we did and it's like, <laughs> but yeah, so me stepping away was to go outside and check what that was. Uh, turned out it was one of my roommates uh, playing Fire Emblem Warriors and upgrading fucking characters over and over again, but stopping the audio sample before it could play all the way through. So it would just, would you like to, woo? Would you like to, woo? Yeah, that would get maddening. Yeah, especially, especially maddening when you don't know what it is and it's a muffled sound kind of just in the background. Yeah. So I, to add to the weirdness, um, this series can't even decide on a normal number of episodes. It has 18 coming. Ugh, that's a, that's a bad number. Yeah, I, I don't get, maybe they're going to try to finish all 20 existing books in 18 episodes, you know, just to, to go really, to really go fuck me. Oh yeah, just one book an episode. Actually, be more like one point fucking two books an episode. Yeah, but I'm just gonna, I'm I'm gonna provide you some commentary of my last few months on the site, Dead Man, because I'm gonna keep re- watching this just to see if I can at some point understand. Oh, honey. So I guess I'm looking this... for two new podcast hosts for this fucking for this fucking show. <laughs> just just every couple just every couple months we'll go like, and hey, we go to Birdie with our boogie pop update. Birdie, how's it going? <laughs> Thanks, Birdie. Uh, as a nice fuck you did Cora, I'm making him edit my written review for the first two episodes. <laughs> <sighs> I'm 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 tempted to pull a uh, shining and start going all boogie and no pop makes birdie a pop pop. <laughs> <laughs> no all boogie no pop makes birdie a phantom. And just do that over and over again with different fucking different formatting for each paragraph. Just occasionally throwing pictures of rotting meat and cinnamon. I somehow see the ring video and I'm like, bitch, please. <laughs> I've yeah. moved beyond you. <laughs> yeah, you just begin. Yeah, the, the ring video just begins, and you just fucking manifest a DVD copy of Boogie Pop and shove it inside the well. <laughs> then fucking Samara or Sadako, depending on the version, just comes out and just starts crying with you. 
Yeah. And did you know that like there was a manga adaptation of The Ring, and eventually it was revealed that all the ring shit is just fucking tuberculosis. (laughs) Yeah. Also, Sadako's a hermaphrodite. And eventually gives birth to get fucking impregnates a lady and gets the lady to give birth to her. <laughs> the ring got fucking weird. Yeah, but thankfully not boogie pop weird. Yeah, no, just regular weird. Just all right, we got this fucking psych. All right, we got this fucking little girl. She's a psychic. She's the daughter of a different psychic. We all claim she's fake. And then that fucking daughter kills a bunch of us. <coughs> And then develops a secondary personality that manifests itself as the living embodiment of her psychic powers. Heads to a tuberculosis asylum and where she gets strangled after after a doctor tries to rape her and then realizes she has a penis. Throws her down a fucking well. Then the local news program gets taped onto a fucking VHS tape and she imprints evil tuberculosis onto it. And then yeah, it it it, it fuck, fucking got weird. But again, not boogie pop weird. That weird doesn't even describe that fucking thing. So yeah, um, <clears throat> over the next over the course of the next couple of months, stay tuned for my descent into madness. We all look forward to it. Yeah, it'll be a nice signing off present from for dead man from me. In exchange, I have some riffs I'd like to do before I leave. We'll discuss that later. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Anywho. All right. So that's all it for the new stuff currently. I'll try to watch some other stuff and maybe write up some of it if it's interesting. And I so won't. Lot, most of it doesn't. I'm, uh, there's too much pedo shit this season. Yeah, that is a that is a problem that needs to be addressed at some point. <laughs> yeah. Just like some industrious anime fan over in Japan. Just like, just like email me or tweet at me or something. Just like any kind of justification people have over there for that stuff. Cause I want to know, I want to fucking, I want to see into the mindset of the kind of people who are like, yeah, it's okay to look at cartoons of people, fucking kids. Or have a romantic comedy about a full-grown woman trying to assault an underage girl. Uh, yeah, that's... I just, I just brought this up recently talking to some people. That, like, the roommates who were watching anime over here, they they really like the Seven Deadly Sins anime. And like the shonen one, not the porn one. Yeah, okay. And it was a realization I had just kind of watching it. Of the fact that the main three romantic relationships in that movie all involve characters who look like children. Yeah. Which is, that is, that is a problem. Yep. Just. It is skeevy. So anyway, um, Boogie Pop Phantom What? So, that does for new shit. But what happened, Dead Man? Uh, don't worry about it. Did, did something happen? No, nah, it's fine. We're about to get into stuff that isn't from the new season. 
Oh, okay, cool. Did I watch something from the new season? A couple things. Shield Hero. Okay. Alright. So anyway, um, stuff that's not whatever I must have watched. I must have watched something. I was writing something. Anyway, um, something, uh, do you have anything interesting you want to talk about? Because I have just one thing, basically. Uh, I I have two things, but one of them is like a, one of them is just kind of a more thoughts on a thing we've talked about already. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so I've been reading more of Return as Magic Should Be Special. Yeah, I'm caught up on that too. Yeah, and it's gotten to kind of an obsession at this point. <laughs> where I'm like okay. going to the site that like that like aggregates manga releases and just like refreshing it every 30 seconds waiting for a new fucking release of that goddamn series. Because <laughs> like sometimes there are two a day. And those are yeah, good days. Yeah, Yeah. And so it's yeah, it's just like me just on the fucking manga subreddit, just checking out. I was like, "Hey man, has this all right? Has this fucking update again? I need I need more of this. I need fucking more of this." And it's weird because thinking about it, it's not that good. No, and uh, over the break, Dead Man and I had discussed a potential problem with the series going forward that it's. It's trying to have its cake and eat it too with the way its narrative works, where it wants to it it wants to have cartoonishly evil preps, preppy bullies from like the upper crust, but at the same time it wants to justify their behavior by saying that apparently less than a decade ago the poor people rose up and had a uh, fr- French Revolution style reign of terror where they just beheaded and killed nobles. Yeah, and, and it then, doesn't feel like outside of mentioning that that happened, that that's affected the story really at all. Yeah, no, it seems it seems like in less than a decade, it went from Viva la Revolution to yeah, things are things are okay. <laughs> just, just like they fucking beheaded a bunch of people, and, and then the and then the fucking nobles are like, all right, fine, you can go to fucking magic school, and they're like, okay, cool, and then just went back to farming. Then again, we haven't seen super really anything outside of the school. So we yeah. don't know. We, we just don't know. It seemed unless the, unless there have been a fucking massive swaths of social change throughout the countryside. Or if or if the hell of a revolution might still be going on. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, it's just it's just it's a detail that. I can see going wrong if they don't pursue it properly. Yeah. Another detail that I weirdly appreciate. They seem to be like the writer of this. Uh, I believe they're Korean. This is, this is Korean, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. I don't know if Korea has the same kind of problem that Japan does, but yeah, just kind of super down with some gay shit. And not like some, not like some fucking Fujoshi bait shit. This it just seemed like they, they had a moment of just like, yeah, there's some gay stuff happening, and it was like really just kind of effortless and not really trying to draw attention to itself. Yes. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. In a library scene. Yep. Yeah, it's just like, oh, this actually feels kind of natural and just kind of light. Cool. I like this. Yeah. No, the character stuff is all fine, and it feels like. It'll be interesting 
because okay, so up to this point, Desir has gotten away with the fact that he has utilized his knowledge and skills from having survived to the end of time once already, without anyone saying, "Hey, wait a minute." Yeah, why do you know this? <laughs> because everything so far has been relatively. Yeah, I can just kind of like skirt my way around it by just saying, "Hey, fucking books and stuff, man." But I think it's inevitably that's going to be a plot point where he has to somehow reveal, hey, I've survived the apocalypse once already. I'm trying to make sure it doesn't happen again. <laughs> yeah, it that needs to happen. Yeah. Although it would be the greatest dark shit if, despite all his efforts, he still couldn't stop the apocalypse. And the last thing we see before the series ends is just him re-waking up. Yeah, yeah that'd be fucking sick. <laughs> Oh, that would happen if I wrote this. <laughs> Just, it's all cyclical. He only remembers the last iteration. Hmm. I'm also looking forward to seeing how, like, any, if there is any dynamic change in the group. Because so far, it's only been, <clears throat> excuse me, so far, it's only been the main three of the Sierra Mantica and Pram. And a little bit of the obvious I'm not so love interest or just the kind of friend that you don't not sure what to do with uh our jest oh no like th- that's not a love interest he like I, they, I'm pretty sure they actually straight up say in the fucking story that he was he had a relationship with Romantica hmm. but you know, then she got fucking out. murdered yeah well I guess we'll see yeah, and based it, it's on... It's also entirely possible that what happened will change the timeline in ways we don't know how to deal with, but we'll see. Yeah, of course it fucking will. He got her into the, he got her into the fucking thing by blackmailing her with a secret about her being a commoner. And then there's all... And then, like, everything's gonna be happening. Yeah, I, w- I want to see how that dynamic changes when new people get added, because we know the party isn't just these three and adjust. Like we just met a, we just met technically another party member in the most recent chapter, but he's one of the yes. guys who makes it to the end. Yeah. So it'll be interesting seeing, like, introducing the new guys and then seeing how that affects the group. I was really more of the group because the last few chapters have all been Desir focused, which you know, understandably, is the main character, but like. The thing's a bit of an ensemble. Yeah, and I, I think depending on how the story plays out, there could be a lot more interesting development from characters other than Desir interacting with each other. Yeah, like I'm, I'm curious. Like they kind of set up. It's going to be interesting how, if ever, Arjest and Romantica interact, just because they both technically have a weird relationship with Desir. Like not even a romantic thing, just like how they both interact with him personally, and they're not neither of them are sure how the other factors in. Yeah. I mean, all Pram's just there, just being the fucking but most yeah, adorable being, motherfucker alive, just being adorable and deadly at the same time. Yeah, and I just feel kind of sad from knowing that he'll never get any. Yeah, yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. Uh. Well, who knows? Maybe he'll end up fucking that barbarian. That would be weird. (laughs) 
Not because of the gay thing, just because of that character dynamic. <laughs> oh, sorry, not that barbarian, the barbarian from the party. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. <sighs> anyway, um, and then another thing, uh, like speaking of development or lack thereof, but I'm Tish, unordinary. That thing has that thing has started going fucking glacial. Yeah, I was gonna bring this, I bring it up. I'm. It feels like it's afraid. Okay, so maybe I'm wrong, but the only thing it seems to want to do is to essentially leave the main character with no option except to be a violent psychopath again. But at the same time, it doesn't want to pull the trigger on that because I feel like the way this story plays out, that once that happens, that's going to be like a major turning point in the story. And the writer apparently just doesn't want to pull that trigger because... Okay, and this is the other thing. If he doesn't want him to pull that trigger, he needs to provide more evidence of more of more characters consistently not being assholes. And there's not enough evidence of that. And yeah. like the whole world is built on people being assholes, so I'm not sure why we should care whether or not he John burns this world to the ground or not. Yeah, it also doesn't really work in like 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 John doesn't deal in nuance. Like no. no one in this world seems to deal in nuance. It is either it is either like you is either like I need to be the weakest bitch ever or God. And that seems to be the thing that he is flipping between. He like he like he didn't even come up with the idea of just like yeah, yeah like, like I, I mean he even his dad was like, dude, you can't just like, I know you're, you don't want to abuse your powers like you used to, but you, if you just turn them off, you're just going to be a, a punching bag. <laughs> yeah. And that has been, and like, it's, it's weird. There have been multiple scenes in this series where the writer shows they have enough self-awareness that they know what the problem with their story is, but not enough, like, but not enough, like wherewithal to actually go through with any changes to improve their story. Yeah, it feels like um, the closest this writer's come to addressing the issue with the way John has lived his life is uh, Arlo being like, dude, if you just want everyone else to do stuff with you not investing anything in helping or being helpful to anyone beyond like people who are already your friends, then it no one's going to want to do anything to help you. And I still don't like Arlo as a character, but he, of the characters that are there that are interesting to talk about he's the most nuanced yeah yeah like Arlo like the, is the, the one who's trying to be a vigilante I just don't care about because her whole storyline feels like it's not going anywhere and yeah, it's kind of not and while I like uh, Sarah as a character it feels I I'm starting to get scared that she is just going to get fridged yeah that seems to be the thing like she like even when she lost her powers it was still she was still interesting. She was she was actually like she was arguably more interesting when she lost her powers and showing her dealing with that and actually having some degree of like success and also difficulty at it. So it was it was this cool thing that was actually character development. And now it's just all right, yeah, she's gonna get fucking killed in the rape shack so that John can have justification to rip off his Tuesday back and kill everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I had a weird journey with this fucking series. Me too. <laughs> just starting out being like unjustifiably pissed at it for all the stupid shit I thought it did based on 
other people's description of it. Mainly me. <laughs> yeah. Reading it and going, oh, no, wait, I just was misunderstanding some stuff. It's actually not that bad. To, yeah, I'm pretty, yeah, this is actually pretty good. To just like, okay, when the fuck are things going to happen? To, oh, God, I don't want the things that I think are going to happen to happen. Yeah. Which is a shame. Yeah, because I still enjoy the series. I just... I'm starting to lose patience with it. (laughs) Yeah, just... Things need to happen. Like, if the writer feels he needs to pull the trigger on this one situation to pull the mask off John to the rest of the world, fine. I feel like the interesting character stuff will happen after that happens. But you can't keep dancing around the the issue at this point. It feels like it's taken too long. It could also be that this is a bad series to read week to week. Like yeah, this probably. is something you kind of have to read in bunches for it to be appreciable because the pacing is glacial, like you said. Yeah, probably. I. There's so many ways they could go with this. There's so many ways that fucking Uru Chan, the writer could take this but they seem to be taking it in the boring most obvious direction yes and that's a real shame because like there is potential here like the the relationships that have been developed so far the way that people view everything the way that everything the way that everything is going forward or the way that everything has been going forward up till now there were so many ways they could have gone but now they're just kind of falling back into, oh, John is succumbing to the powers. He's going to be bad. Oh, yeah. Oh. But like, fuck, man. Like, John. I get it. I get where the writer's coming from with John and his personality of, of like, everyone sucks, thus I should suck too. But that was the problem. That's what put him in the situation. So you'd think that, like, while that would be his initial intent, that would be a side of himself that he would want to fight against. But it's not. It is, is, I'm going to be a dopey fuck for, for my entire life. And then the second things go wrong. He's a super villain. Yeah. Which fucking sucks. Because, like, when he's hanging out with Serafina and teaching her, like, how to be weak. Like how to fight back when being weak. That is kind of John at his best because it is that because it is a it's it's the it's the fucking poker metaphor again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of of just like all right, yeah. So he's in the situation and he has all of the cards, man. He is the fucking one in control, despite the fact that everyone else out overpowers him. And they could have been they could be turning they could be leaning into that. They could, they could be leaning into that super hard and then having like his personality begin to leak out through that. Like, oh no, he tries to hold it back. But no, it is, it, it is it, like, he's only that when it is, when it is a situation where he has no need to be that. Yeah. In, in situations where that mindset and that skill set actually matter, it is either I'm going to suppress everything about myself that can make this work and then just try to go on with my life fucking whatever, or wait for Serafina to show up, or 
all right, bitch, come over here. I'm going to, I'm going to break your fucking nose into your eyes. Just disappointing. Seeing something with the potential of being squandered like this. And it feels really dickish to say that. Yeah. It feels like I feel I feel like a real piece of shit. Just like, hey, you're fucking putting in all this work, fucking making this goddamn series. Guess what? Fuck you, it's not good enough. Well, I feel like while you're right, they're putting a lot of effort into the series. I what I I feel like the writer is afraid to pull the trigger on the obvious issue of why does the world outside the school work the way it does? Yeah. Like that trigger needs to be pulled. And I think at that point I would be able to get back in on that series because it's more interesting. And like the nature of this school is such that it has to somehow match with the rest of the world. Like if if you for me, at least, the most interesting parts of this story are either when the characters are honestly sharing their interactions and not like everyone's plotting something or hiding something, which is too much of the series. Yeah. Or when we get glimpses of what the world outside of this school, how it works. And I feel like we haven't gotten any of those recently. Yeah, it's... And like even what we have gotten is a bit weird to me. Because like, like in the outside world of what we've seen... It is essentially normal. It is essentially just modern day. But then there's this weird specter of this weird totalitarian government existing above all that only interferes when anybody tries to say, hey, maybe we could use our powers to like not be dicks. At which point some motherfucker in a trench coat swoops down and goes, yep, nope, coming to a black site. And I, and like, if, if the school itself is a microcosm of the world, then I don't see how the world operates or, or I don't see how the world operates in a way that makes it near indistinguishable from modern day. But then if the world, and if the world doesn't operate like it does in the school, then I can't see how anybody, anybody who goes to a school like this can live a normal life. Yeah. Like that, yeah. That's another thing. The uh, outside of Sarah's family, the world outside of the school doesn't feel real, but it has to because they made a point of this world working the way it does and why it is different from the world the way we think of it. So you can't just say, "Oh, everything else is fine outside of the school," because no, this whole world is different. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit of a. It's a bit of a shot in the knee to the series kind of at the gate by having it set in high school. Because high school itself is always this re- is always this, is already this weird like like social bubble. Especially in stories like this where just the world inside the high school is, is just an entirely different environment from the world. But with the world being this different we need to really ha- we need to like have a firm understanding of how it works and that has not really happened yet. Yeah, so here's hoping fucking unordinary finds its footing. Otherwise that's going to be a 
Otherwise, it's just going to be more of this. Yeah. It's just going to be a slog. Yeah, a slog and a slog that probably won't last much longer. Nope, because there are much better things to read on uh, Webtoons. Yep, like Lil' Jar on the gang. The somehow still allowed to exist non-unlicensed Nintendo property. It is still kind of weird to me that like that and Moke Pond both still exist. Okay, other thing that I read that I don't really have much to say on is a series called Muto Black. It's a manga that ran in jump for a couple of volumes and then and got canceled. It's a martial arts series about a guy who developed martial art not for killing people. It's okay. It's got a so interesting concept that they hammer into the ground by repeating it over and over and over again. In every chapter, multiple times. But art's fine and the and the action is well drawn, so it's kinda it's kinda in that same park as like the fucking Shield Hero anime, it just kinda of blech. That's all I got. Yeah. Yeah, we have right, deeper well, discussions about two of the things I thought we would just be throwaway discussions than we thought we would. Yeah, that can happen. Well, speaking of throwaway stuff that I don't have much to say about, Destro two five six. Never fucking heard of this. I only re- learned about it because it was tied to a anime. So speaking of stuff that you can watch riffs of now, if you go to deathstoreprods.com, uh, a couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember this, Dead Man. We riffed Jormungand. Yep. Uh, so this is from the same author of the manga of Jormungand. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but um, Kitaro Takahashi. Okay. Uh, so you and I liked Gormengand okay. Yeah, it, we it was like, like it was like a second tier uh, Black Lagoon. Yeah, we were just like this guy really wants to be Ray uh, Ray Hiroe, the guy who does Black Lagoon, but he's just not quite there. Yeah, like he has and, he has he has like ideas in the basic groundwork, just not the ability to handle the nuance that Black Lagoon has. Yeah, or the commitment to his own ideas. Yeah, which becomes a real problem in um, <laughs> this series, Yarman uh, Death. Uh, Deathstroke 256, which is a spinoff of um, uh, Jormungand, which makes so little sense, I have trouble believing they're the same series. Okay. So, I mean, if you look at Jormungand, aside from the bonkers way the series ended with the promise of, like, the technology that would just make all satellites fall out of the sky... (laughs) I never actually got the, to the end of Jormungand. I think we only watched the first season. Yeah. The ending the the ending of the series is probably where it got the most interesting, even if it didn't wasn't willing to commit to expanding on what would happen if its own bonkers premise played out. 
but aside from that, Jormungand felt kind of like a, a slightly cartoony version of our real world. Like, everything felt like it kind of made sense. Yeah. I have trouble believing that this world can actually exist, because this is somewhere in Tokyo where the, the a rich head of a food chain of a food restaurant chain uh, buys two Japanese slaves who were raised as assassins by a Mexican drug cartel and brings them to Japan to get revenge on him to get revenge for him for the death of his family at at the hands of Yakuza. And while this is happening, the two teenage female assassins are attending high school where a third teenage assassin who works for the Japanese government is going to school and wants to be normal. And while all of this is happening, uh, a policeman whose special ability is finding teenage assassins finds three others who are helping to run drugs for the Russians. And last thing I read before I just stopped, I was like, this is getting too ridiculous. All six of them are eating dinner at a maid cafe. Good God. This sounds like a fucking clusterfuck. And it is. Just fucking Christ. So, like, nothing about the the, the way the series played out up to this point. Like, I mean, Jormungand had some crazy characters, but it was a mostly sensible story. I can't believe this world actually exists. Yeah, no, this seemed, <laughs> this sounds, this is going to sound weird, but it reminds me of Mirai Nikki. Yeah, I can see that. There's some Yandere tendencies amongst some of these characters. And there's also a tendency for people to just say, Hey, let's have sex for no reason. No, like not even in the Yandere and sex stuff, just for whatever reason. The fucking teenage, like, multiple teenage assassins and the cop who hunts them. That sounds like some shit made, that sounds like some shit that would be written by the guy who made Mirai Nikki. Which had the fucking, like, the the maid mercenary and then the fucking Power Ranger eyeball dude. And the fucking main character with varying stages of amnesia and common sense. Yeah. God, I hate Mirai Nikki. Me too. And while this is not as bad as Mirai Nikki, at the same time, I'm still like, uh... I... I'm still so like... I don't like any of these characters. I don't like how this played out. And I'm just, um... It's, I mean, like, I don't know why I'm spending so much time saying about this. It's just, the action is fine, because, I mean, you and I watched Jormungand. The action was perfectly fine. I liked the action in that. The characterization was more or less okay. It's just, this this series is just bonkers. Uh Uh-huh. It also sounds kind of lazy, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just, all right, so we got to, all right, so yeah, dude's all gets killed. What does he get? Two teenage slave assassins. But guess what? They encounter another teenage assassin. And guess the fuck what? The guy hunting them has a power to detect teenage assassins. Fucking, fucking what? Yeah. 
It's like it's like, he, like, like he was right. It's like he was writing the story while a record was skipping. Yeah, it's kind of like how he he looked at the vampire twins from uh, Black Lagoon and said, "No, this is too normal." <laughs> yeah, let's make him just a bit older, so it's so it's somehow more creepy. Then they'll throw in the third one they had to fight. Put the cops on him. And so when you say that a cop is like a power to hunt down these things, do you mean like a literal power or just he's really good at it? Because not really getting a read on whether or not that's actual supernatural or not. Yeah, you know, it's as far as I can tell, it's not supernatural, but it's just, I, I just, I don't care. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, I'm just like, I, I don't want to hate, I don't hate this author. Like I said, I like Jormungand, but at the same time, I feel like he just desperately has a hard-on to be the person from Black Lagoon, and he just doesn't have the talent for it. As, it, as we're seeing this, all I'm seeing in my head is the scene where Etta goes and sings Wild Thing while hitting a sniper off the roof with a baseball bat. <laughs> oh, God. Which I gotta reread Black Lagoon. Which is ridiculous, but it's fun. And also, hopefully, uh, I, I'm actually, well, speaking of Ray Heroe, uh, Supposedly, Black Lagoon's coming back in spring of this year once he finishes enough chapters of his new manga. Wait, new manga? Yeah, that's why he took a break from Black Lagoon. He wants to do a new manga. I mean, I... I understand. Are you seriously about to say, I mean, yeah, that's cool, dude, but Black Lagoon! <laughs> no, I'm no, I'm like, I understand. Like, I... This is not nearly to the same degree, but like as a DM, you run a story for long enough and it's like, yeah, I want to finish this, but this, I can't fucking come up with anything because I'm too fucking burnt out by doing the same goddamn story for like over a year. So yeah, I like, I get it. It bums me out, but I get it. Ugh. This is a weird way to kind of, this is a weird thing for like near the end of the show of just me getting very upset with myself about how I'm treating fucking authors. Yep. Anyway, anything else? Uh, no, that's it. All right, then. That's good for this week. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back. Some fucking point more of this shit. <laughs> Don't know <that> I'm dead. <laughs> and I did you good. Birdie, pop, digit, birdie. We'll see you guys next time. You didn't realize you spazzing out every time you say boogie pop is now part of the canon, right? Yes. Good, just making sure.